0: Week by week, from the pick of new material, from the pages of best selling novels, from the theater of Broadway and London, and the sound stages of Hollywood, will parade the most remarkable figures ever known.
1: CBS gives you. Suspense.
2: It's a two fisted, quick triggered marksman who shoots from the hip and never
3: misses. And then there were four. <laughs> anyway, this is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of Suspense, celebrating its 75th anniversary. We are on the third episode of Suspense. I guess it's, the, well, it's the second in the series, the third, if you want to count the 1940 first appearance on Forecast. Anyway, after this episode, there aren't any, there are, well, all the episodes are missing until like mid-August, so then we'll, next week we'll be down to three episodes we'll be presenting. I thought it was going to be five for a lot of the summer, but it's not. Um, the reason we're down from five last week down to four this week is because in 1952 uh, they went in on a summer hiatus and took the summer off, and so there aren't any more episodes. We played the last one last week. So all we have left is, of course, 1942, which this will be the last episode until August. And then we'll just be down to 1947, uh, and ni- from 70 years ago, of course. And 1957, from 60 years ago. And 1962, from 55 years ago, right? Yeah. So we'll be down to three for the rest of the summer. So I think I'll keep bringing you three. And then it'll pop back up to four, I think. I don't th- at the very end of the summer, but I don't think we'll be back up to five for a long time. Anyway, having said that, um, and also, um, sorry, the other reason it's going to be down to four is because we're going to run out of 62 episodes because in 1962 it went off the air, um, but it didn't go off the air until I want to say September maybe of 1962. Anyway, we'll see how that goes. But let's run through tonight's episodes. The, f- the first episode uh, is, like I say, the second episode of the series, actually, called Wet Saturday. And uh, in order to protect the family name, the Princey family discusses how to cover up a murder committed by their daughter. Sounds interesting. Who would think a murder on suspense? Our... Uh, Main actor for this episode is Clarence Derwent, who sounds like there's a Clarence Derwent award that they give out, and it, and it sounds like he was mostly on Broadway and uh, mostly an actor of the stage. Now, following that, we'll jump ahead to 1947, five years later, 70 years ago, and present Dead of Night, starring Kathy Lewis, Wally Marr, and Elliot Reed. And on that episode, Jimmy tries to help his sister out of a possible murder rap. Yet another murder with family members covering them up. What a deal, these family members. At least they're supportive families, right? And then we jump ahead. Of course, we skip 1952 because that they're on summer hiatus. And so then we go to jump up to 1957. And in 1957, our episode is... Can I find it? Oh, yeah, here it is. It is A Load of Dynamite, and it's starring Paul Dubov. I don't know who that is. Ellen Morgan, Barney Phillips, and Bartlett Robinson. And this episode says, Dave is out of jail and pays a visit to his kid brother, Mr. Goody Two-Shoes, who has everything that Dave doesn't have. Mmm. Yet another family plot, but this one sounds like a more jealous family plot. We'll have to see how that goes. And then coming up in, from 1962, the last season of Suspense on the Air, we bring you With Murder in Mind, starring James Boyles, Jack Grimes, Jack Crucian, Gilbert Mack, and Bryna, Bryna? Bryna, Bryna hmm, Rayburn. And let's see what the story's about. Anton Tesler, a mentalist, makes his living in a nightclub act and is dissatisfied with his current condition because he feels his talents are being wasted on petty exhibition. Hmm. Can he really remind? You'll have to stay tuned. So we bring you four more fun episodes of Suspense. And I hope you're enjoying our suspense summer as we're kicking off more and more shows and bringing you more suspenseful shows. They're fun to bring you. Uh, I've got a special treat lined up for Jack Benny fans um, that I'm going to announce tomorrow that I think you'll really enjoy. But uh, we'll just get on with the shows. So let's jump back 75 years as we listen to Episode 2 of Suspense. Enjoy.
0: The Columbia Network takes pleasure in bringing you Suspense. Suspense. A new series of programs with one strict purpose in view. Your entertainment. Each week at this time, CBS sets aside 30 minutes to excite you, to mystify you, And on occasion to horrify you, with a catalog of the world's great thrillers. Dramas from the stage and screen, from fiction and radio. Dramas that bring you... Suspense. This, the second offering of a new series, is a unique one. Certainly, it is one of the very few pieces of suspense literature that somehow manages to tickle your funny bone while busily engaged in... Make no mistake, though, nobody's kidding. CBS presents its adaptation of John Collier's well-known short story, Wet Saturday.
4: Saturday.
5: Never saw it rain harder. I'm Princey, Frederick Princey, just an ordinary family man. I have a son, a daughter, and a wife. I might be out golfing now if it hadn't been for the I'm
6: Mrs. Princey. I plan to drive over to the nurseries this afternoon for some arbiters. The boarders, you know,
5: but... Oh, the whole lot of them make me
6: sick.
7: Yes, I'm George, son and heir. (laughs) I had a date to go punting. Punting. Couldn't find the blasted punt in this weather, so I'm home,
5: too. I... I'm Millicent. I was going to play croquet. That's how I happened to
6: him. A mallet.
0: Yes, that's the Princey family. We find them at home. Mrs. Princey, Millicent, George sprawled on a couch, Mr. Princey biting on a dry pipe. Their living room is dull and overstuffed. Rain beats at the windows. They are any middle-class family at home on a wet day, except for one small item. As you sit with them in the living room, you can see through the door to the sun porch a pair of men's feet encased in black boots. They look like the feet of a curate. There's a tenseness in the room. The air is charged with excitement, but the feet are very still.
5: Don't keep staring at them. Listen to me, all of you. Don't you see? They'd hang her. That's what they'd do. They'd hang her.
6: Oh, Fred, it's too awful.
5: Awful? It's catastrophic. A supposedly sweet, gentle, intelligent girl, respected, loved by the whole village, doing a thing like this. Think of the publicity, the disgrace. you think I'm going to resign from the bench, the vestry, sell out and... Live in some foggy hotel abroad? Oh, no, no. No.
6: No, i kill myself. I will. I will. Don't be
1: a fool. Any more than you have been, the governor means.
6: Be quiet. Wouldn't be so
5: bad if it were you. Everybody in the village knows you're not responsible. George.
1: Yes?
5: Get off that couch. Sit up on your spine.
1: Uh. You
5: might be of a little use here if you could think...
1: Listen, Governor, this isn't my funeral. Oh,
5: shut up. As long as I can remember, George, you've been a trial and a tribulation to me.
6: Oh, I can't stand it. I can't stand it.
5: You've got to stand it, my dear. And keep that hysterical note out of your voice. You hear? Yes. We are... <clears throat> we are talking about the weather. Now, George. Yeah? George, if he fell down the old well, say, uh, striking his head several times, what about it, eh? I really don't know, Governor. What about it? Don't be an ass. I'm asking you to think. He'd have had to hit the side several times in 30 or 40 feet and and at all the correct angles. No, No. No, I'm afraid not. I'm afraid not. We'll have to go over it all again, Millicent.
6: Oh, no, Father. No, no. I couldn't. I
5: couldn't. Millicent, we must go over it all again.
6: Oh, Fred, you're torturing her.
5: Oh, face facts, Mater. With him lying there, there's no use pretending it's a picnic. (laughs) They might hang you, Millicent. Oh, stop that shaking. Stop it here. You must stop it. You must keep your voice quiet. Millicent, we are talking of the weather. Now, we will proceed. I can't. I can't. Not those boots. Oh, you should have thought of those boots,
4: Millie.
5: (laughs) I'm not moving them. Oh, sit up, George. Stop shuffling your feet. Now, Millicent, look at me. Answer me truthfully, you hear? Answer me. You were in the croquet court.
4: Yes.
5: Who knew you were in love with this wretched curate? ha <laughs> Who? Oh, the whole village. <laughs> They've been sniggering about it at the pub for three years past. <sighs> what a filthy mess. Millicent, we continue. You were on the croquet court. Yes. You were putting the croquet set into its box?
6: Yes. It... It was starting to rain. I was carrying the balls and mallets into the sun porch. The box was there.
5: You heard someone enter the garden gate and come across the yard? Yes. Could you see who it was?
6: Oh, not at first. I was going into the sun porch. I threw down all the mallets but the red one and turned around.
5: It was with us? Yes. So you called him? Yes. Loudly? Did you call him loudly? Could anyone
6: have heard? No, father. I'm sure not. I didn't really call him. I, I just spoke his name. He saw me as I went to the door. He just waved his hand and came over. How can I find out from you whether there was anyone about? Whether he could have been seen? I'm sure not, father. I'm, I'm
5: quite sure. So. You both went into the sun porch?
6: Yes. It was raining hard then.
5: What did he say?
6: He said, hello, Millie. And excuse his coming in the back way, but he set out to walk over to Liston. Yes. And he said, passing the park, he'd seen the house and suddenly thought of me. And he thought he'd just look in for a moment. He... He had something to tell me. Go on. He said he was so happy. He wanted me to share it. He'd heard from the bishop he was to have a vicarage. And it wasn't only that. It meant he could marry. And then he began to scutter and get all confused. And, of course, I thought he meant me.
5: Don't tell me what you thought. Tell me exactly what he said, nothing else.
6: Well... Well, oh,
4: dear. oh, stop
8: crying!
5: It's a luxury you can no longer afford.
6: Tell me what happened. He said, "No." He said, "It it wasn't me. It's Ella Bragton Davis, and and he was sorry, and and all that." Then he went to go. And then? I went mad. He turned his back. I had the red mallet of the croquet set in my hand. I forgot to drop it in the box when he came.
5: I... Did you shout or scream? I mean, as you hit him? No.
6: No, I'm sure I didn't.
5: Did he? Come on, speak up. No, Father. And Ben? I threw it down.
6: I came straight in here. I went to look for Mother. Oh, My poor baby. No, no,
5: one leave the child no, alone, well, Fred. Not such a child, Mater. Millie, I had no idea Keep you... Keep quiet. Ha- I'm thinking. Hmm. You see, George, he probably told people he was going to listen. Certainly no one knows he came here, for he, he didn't decide until he crossed the park. He might have been attacked in the woods. We must consider every detail... A curate with his head battered in. Don't, Father, don't. A curate head battered in. Now, who would want to kill Withers? Who'd kill Withers? Well, I would with pleasure. How'd you do, Mrs. Princey?
6: Captain, Captain Smith.
5: Oh, sit down, pray mustn't get up for me, Mrs. Princey. You either, Millicent. My word. Just being neighborly on a bad day. I wanted to ask you about those dahlia bulbs, Princey. Took a shortcut on account of the rain and walked right in. Knew you wouldn't mind.
6: Oh, he heard you, Father. <laughs>
5: My dear, we, we can all have our little jokes. <laughs> Don't pretend to be
6: shocked. This way, Smollett. This chair facing the fireplace. Sit down, Mother. Just uh, straightening the curtains to the sun porch, dear. It looks so gloomy out there might as well shut the rain oh, out just, just talking
5: about a little theoretical cure at killing smollett <laughs> you know young people these days like thrillers side. justifiable side. If you heard about ella bragdon davis i should be most properly laughed at why why should you be laughed at smollett no oh, and a shot in that direction myself i <laughs> said yes too have not you heard? She told most people. Now it'll look as if I got turned down for a white rat in a dog collar. Oh, too bad. Oh, fortune of war. Yes, fortune of war. Odd how it happens, isn't it? <laughs> Sit down, Smollett. Millicent, console Captain Smollett with your, your best light conversation. You too, Mother. George and I have something to look at outside. There's this rain, you know, but it's bad, very bad. Uh, come, George. Right-o, oh, Governor. Maybe we'll need raincoats. What? Oh, I don't think so. Uh, just make yourself at home, Smollett.
6: Make yourself at home. A cigarette, Captain Smollett? Thank you. Yes.
5: Thank you. Oh, nasty day to be going out.
6: It's something about the old well. Just off the Sunforch door, you know. This terrible, sodden weather seems to have loosened some of the stones. Oh,
5: too bad. Ash too bad. Spoils the tennis and croquet, I mean, a day like this. Doesn't it, Millie? Doesn't it, Millie?
6: Mm. Oh, yes, it does. She was practicing out on the croquet court earlier, but, uh, oh, do pull your chair nearer the fire, Captain. It was so damp, we thought it would be cozy to light it. Thank
5: you. I'm quite comfortable.
6: I, uh, I hope you don't feel too bad about Ella Davis.
5: Can't always win. Can't see, though, what you women see in these bloodless clerics.
6: Oh, I always thought Mr. Withers was, uh, he is a very charming man. Quite agree,
5: but why should anyone want to marry him? You wouldn't want to marry him, would you, Millie? Not
6: now. That is, I. Uh, are you. Oh. Oh, no, of course not.
5: Smollett. <laughs> yes, yes, Prince Good Lord, man, you come in on a fellow suddenly. Yes, I did. Oh, don't mind this old double-barreled shotgun. Been working on it. Smollett, may I have your attention for a minute? There's something on the sun porch I'd like to show you. Why, yes. Yes, of course. Smollett, George and I went out to see if we could shoot some rats which have been driven out of the old well by the high water. Afraid they might get into the house. Now, you must listen to me very carefully. Very carefully, or you will be shot by accident. Princey, what's got into you? You heard me ask as you came in, who would kill Withers? You also heard Millicent make a comment, an unguarded comment. Well, what of it? Very little, Unless you were to hear that Withers had met a violent end this very afternoon. And that, my dear Smollett, is what you are going to hear.
6: What? Withers? Withers?
5: Yes. Who killed him? Millicent. Good Lord. Yes, it's a mess. And of course, you would have remembered and guessed. Maybe. uh, Yes, I... Yes, I, I suppose I should. Therefore, you constitute a problem. Why did she kill him? Oh, it's one of those disgusting things. Pitiable, too. She deluded herself that he was in love with her. Good heavens, Millie. Oh, yes, of course. I I see. He had told her about the Davis girl. I understand. Now, I have no wish, as you will comprehend, that she should be proved either a lunatic or a murderess. I could hardly go on living here after that. suppose not? On the other hand, you know about it. Yes, I see that makes me a problem. (laughs) You're wondering if I could keep my mouth shut. If I promise... I am wondering if I could believe you. But if I promise... If things went smoothly, yes. But not if there was any sort of suspicion, any questioning. You would be afraid of being an accessory. Why, I don't know. I do. What are we going to do? I I can't see anything else. You, you'd you never be a fool enough to do me in. You you can't get rid of two corpses. Oh, I regard it as a better risk than the other. It could be an accident. Or you and Wither could both disappear. There are possibilities in that. Listen, you, you can't. I can, but there may be a way out. There is. Smollett, you gave it to me yourself. I, I did what? You said you would kill Withers. You have a motive. Oh, look here. I I was joking. Of course you saw that. You are always joking. Listen, Smollett. I can't trust you. You must trust me. Else I will kill you now in the next minute. I mean that. You can choose between dying and living. Go on. Now, there's the old well just outside the sun porch door. That's where I'm going to put Withers. No one outside knows he has come up here this afternoon. No one will ever look there for him unless you tell them. You must give me evidence that you have murdered Withers. I murdered him? Why do you want that? So that I shall be dead sure that you will never open your lips on the subject. I see. What evidence? George, hit him in the face.
4: Sure. George,
5: ah, ah, Keep ah. out of this. Oh, Captain, you should be more careful. Look what your teeth did to my knuckles. Again, George. Okay. Oh, oh, I ah. can't stand ah. it. Oh, ah.
6: how can you? Keep quiet.
5: You women, keep out of this. I'm sorry, Smollett, but there must be traces of a struggle between you and with us. Then it will not be altogether safe for you to go to the police. <laughs> but... Can't you take my word, man? I will when we are finished. George, yes? get the croquet mallet. Right, Governor. Take your handkerchief to it. In there on the sun porch floor. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I got it, Governor. There, Captain. There's the weapon. As I told you, Smollett. Now, you'll just grasp the end that mashed Wither's head. I shall shoot you if you don't.
6: But, good Lord, you can't. All
5: right. There. That's it. Now deposit it out by the side of the house. Out of the rain, of course. No. Wait, George. Huh? First, you'd better pull a few hairs out of his head and put them under the nails of Wither's right Uh, hand. Prince, have you gone mad? Do you know what you're doing? With this gun, yes. Go ahead, George. (laughs) Sorry to mush your hair up, Captain. Oh, shut up, Smollett. There. That's all we need. Now
1: for Withers, we'll fix it right up. Be right with you, Governor.
5: Smollett, you may turn around. Withers is just there in the sun porch. Draw back the curtain. Good Lord, Princey. Yes, messy. But we'll get him fixed up. Now you, Smollett. You've just got to drag him through the door and dump him in the old well, <laughs> just beyond the door, Captain. I, I won't touch him. I won't. I. All right. Stand aside. Out of range, George. Right. Only one place I want this bullet to go. Father, oh, father! Keep quiet. My aim's none too good. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I... That's. I. Better, Smollett. Much better. Go on now. In here. You'll have to take him outside. By the shoulders ought to do it, Captain. Keep quiet, George. Go on, Smollett. Go on. You've seen dead men before. Drag him. Drag him. I'll just hold the gun here to make sure that everything goes all.
8: Oh,
6: Mother, come away from the din window, dear. Don't look. But Captain Smollett, your father is a very resourceful man, Millicent. I'm sure what he's doing is right. But the captain, I can't... I can't stand it. You mustn't question your dear father.
5: I say, are you two still at it? There's enough trouble around here without blubbering. I'm not blubbering, George Pinkley. So you see, Smollett, everything is perfect, they They'll never look in our way. You see how safe it is? I guess it is. Oh, good heavens, man, you're, you're dripping wet. Why, why didn't you slip your raincoat on? <laughs> tea ready, my dear? In just a minute, dear. I'll ring for Bridget. Yeah, exactly what you need, Smollett. Cup of tea. Best thing in the world to ward off a cold. Sit down, won't you? <laughs> oh, don't mind getting the chair wet.
6: A cigarette? Help yourself. I stick to my pipe, you know, funny hole. Mrs. Oh. Princey, everything is hot, ma'am. Oh, Bridget, yes. Put the tray in front of me here, on the table. Yes, ma'am. That's
5: it. I say, Captain, you've gone and cut your lip. I, I just knocked
6: it. Oh, how dreadful. Here, Bridget. Yes, Give ma'am. the captain this cup.
5: Sorry. No, no, thank you. I I, I rather think I'll be running along now, if you don't mind.
6: Why, oh, Captain Smollett, without any tea? Oh, if,
5: if you don't mind, Mrs. Princey, if... If I could just have my raincoat. Oh, I'll get it for you, Captain. Oh, this is very distressing, Smollett, very. Oh, I, I'll be all right presently, I'm sure. Here we are. Now, let me help you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, young man. There. Better go out the front way, Smollett. Walk is dry. Oh, let me hold the door for you, Captain. <laughs> Don't worry, old fellow. Don't worry at all. No, no, I. Oh.
4: Good afternoon.
5: Nothing serious, I imagine. Little rest, and he'll be as right as rain. By the way, Millicent, you're not looking any too well.
6: No. No, Not well at all. I'm sure it was that croaky caught. Being outdoors in weather like this is simply foolhardy.
1: The maid is right, Millie. You saw what happened to Captain Smaller.
6: Come along, dear. I shall give you a hot foot bath and put you to bed. And a couple of days in bed, and you'll be fine again. Get plenty
5: of rest, Millicent, and don't worry about a thing. That's the best
1: cure. <sighs> well, I guess I'll have a little rest too, Governor. It's a
5: fine afternoon for a nap. Indeed it is, son. Well, enjoy yourself. I'll see you later. I'll see you all later. <laughs> Your number,
6: please.
5: Oh, would you get me the police station, please?
6: Police station? Right away, sir.
4: Police headquarters, Sergeant Yancey speaking.
5: Oh, hello, Sergeant. This is Princey of Abbott's Road. I I believe you know me.
6: Indeed I do, Mr. Princey.
5: Sergeant, a horrible thing has just happened... Quite extraordinary murder, in fact. Murder? I'm afraid it looks rather bad for well for for a close friend of ours, unfortunately. We saw him do it. I, I think you'd better send someone over right away. Well, our man should be there right about now, Mr. Princey. Eh? I I beg your pardon? I say our man should be there now. Constable Martin has his post right below your house there. Just rang in. Seems Captain Smollett was with him. <laughs> can smell it. I reported some rather queer goings-on at your place, but I certainly didn't understand it was murder. Just don't touch anything, Mr. Princey, and don't worry. Don't worry at all. No. No, no, no. I I won't, Sergeant. Thank you. Governor. Governor, where are you? I'm
4: right. I'm right.
5: Stop shouting. Uh, we, We have some visitors, Governor. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, I, I can see that. Well, Constable, g- good afternoon.
6: Good afternoon, Mr. Princey.
5: And Smollett, I, I say what a, what a remarkable fellow you are, coming back like this. <laughs> Here to reenact the crime? Only the one against me, Princey. The one against the curate I'll leave to you people. <laughs> Extraordinary sense of humor.
0: Mr. Princey, I just had a look at what's in your Well... Not to pretty sight that. Not pretty at all.
5: Yes, Captain Smollett was thorough, if nothing else. You saw him when he did it, sir, out in the back? Oh, quite. We were just returning from a walk. Smollett evidently had been laying for the curate, hiding out in those bushes by the road, I imagine. He was never inside this house? Never. And uh, you say, Captain? I say that while I was inside this house, a guest of the family, I was coerced into dragging the curate's body outside and dumping it in the well. Well? There we are. Uh, not entirely, Constable. Uh, I'll just remove my raincoat, eh, uh, and demonstrate how damp I got my clothes when I went outside without it. No, that's interesting, isn't it? Uh, quite. <laughs> He undoubtedly removed his coat at some point between here and your post. I might as well tell you that his weapon, a red crookie mallet, is out by the side of the house. I shouldn't be at all surprised but that you'd find his fingerprints all over it. All over the end of the mallet, Constable. The end that mashed withers his head. And not the end I'd have had the grass in order to do the mashing. Governor! <laughs> that's a decent try, Smollett. <laughs> but it won't work. There must be other evidences, Constable. You'll undoubtedly find them when you examine the body. Oh, he means my hair under Withers' nails. Well, sir, if you look carefully, I believe you'll find a few of my precious hairs under his son's nails, too. Here, what are you trying to... up! Constable, this is an utter waste of time. So far as the violent struggle between Smollett and Withers is concerned, Smollett's face speaks for itself quite eloquently, I believe. Oh, but no more eloquently than your son's knuckles. As you see, Constable, a fresh abrasion. He did that on my teeth. Or... Did he? What? I say, or oh, did he? He might have done that on withers' teeth. <laughs> oh, I see. I see what you mean. But but, but I didn't. G- Governor, he said oh, I... will keep still, you nitwit. Let me think. Let me think. But as a matter of fact, George, the more I think of it, the more I'm convinced it was your voice I heard. Quite a vigorous quarrel. Something about the curate jilting your sister. Oh, don't be ridiculous, Smollett. Very well, Princy. If your son didn't do it, who did? That's what I'd like to know. How about it, Mr. Princey? Well, that... That is a sticker, all right. <laughs> George, my boy, it looks like you're elected. Elected? What do you mean? I didn't do it. Why, I'd, I have nothing to do... Keep your mouth shut, will you? I won't. I'm not going to take the blame for her. Millie did it. She did it with that mallet I saw. You could prove that? Prove it? I... Uh, Yes, her her fingerprints on the mallet, the handle. Why, George, don't you remember when you made me touch the mallet? When you picked it up with your handkerchief? No, I... George, I'm sure you wiped that handle clean. Oh, well, I could hardly expect you to remember that if you you can't even remember killing the curate, Governor, I... I told you to keep still. But, Governor, you're not going to turn me over. As long as I can remember, George, you've been a trial and a tribulation to me. Governor, I. You shouldn't have done it, son.
4: You really
5: shouldn't. No, George, that was definitely wrong. <laughs> I say, Princey, I think I'll have that cup of tea after all. Nothing like it in weather like this.
0: Wet Saturday from the short story by John Collier. You have just heard the second in Columbia's new series, a series designed to bring you the best in thrill entertainment. Outstanding dramas from the field of fiction and radio, stage and screen. Dramas of pure suspense. This Columbia feature is produced and directed by Charles Vanda, with script by Harold Bedford and score by Bernard Herrmann. Be with us again next week at this same time when we present Suspense. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.
9: Yes, more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wine because Roma wines taste better. Taste better... Because only Roma selects from the world's greatest reserves of fine wines for your pleasure. And now, Roma Wines, R-O-M-A, Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, bring you... Suspense!
1: Tonight, Roma Wines present Mr. Elliot Reed in Dead
9: of Night, a suspense play produced for Shenley by William Spear. <laughs> Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills, is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, those better-tasting California wines. This is the month of June, when hearts are gay and wedding bells ring, when the new bride is toasted and the brides of yesteryear are honored with traditional champagne. So, remember the occasion. Say it with Roma Champagne a superb, bulk process sparkling wine, and discover better taste at its brilliant best. You'll find the golden goodness of sparkling Roma Champagne the crowning touch to every festive occasion, whether it be wedding reception or anniversary, formal dinner, or just friendly entertaining at home. Yet for all its premium quality, Roma Champagne now actually costs you less. At new low prices... Roma Champagne, or any Roma wine, is your best buy in better taste. And now, Roma Wines bring you Mr. Elliot Reed in a remarkable tale of... Suspense!
10: Helen and I had never been apart since our folks died. Never before that summer when I got a job at a mountain resort... She was supposed to go with me, wait on tables or something, and it was to be our vacation. But at the last minute, she decided to stay in town. She figured her boyfriend, Steve, might be coming home on furlough. I should have known better. My sister was such a kid. But I let her talk me into it, and I went alone. That was the beginning of the whole thing. That's when she met him, Phil Armstrong. If I hadn't gone away that summer... I guess Phil would be alive today. All during the time I was gone, Helen didn't write much, and what letters I did get didn't seem natural, so I was anxious to finish my job and get home. I expected her to be at the bus station, but she wasn't, and when I got to the apartment, I could hear someone moving inside. The door was locked, so I knocked. Helen! Who is it? It's me. Jimmy? Yeah. Open the door.
11: Oh, Jimmy. Just a minute.
10: Well, since when have you taken to locking the door in the daytime? Helen. What did you do to yourself? Your face. Were you in an accident?
11: I, I fell, Jimmy. I fell and I hurt myself.
10: Your eyes swollen shut. Let me look at it.
11: Jimmy. I have something to
10: tell you. What are these suitcases doing here?
11: You and I are going away, Jimmy. We've got to get out of here. I've packed everything. We're
10: going no place till you tell me what this is all about.
11: While you were gone, I got married.
10: Married? You mean Steve was here on furlough?
11: No, Jimmy, not to Steve. Not?
10: But you were engaged to him.
11: I know, but I got a letter from him right after you left. He He married someone he met where he was stationed.
10: Oh, Helen... Gee.
11: I was pretty upset, Jimmy, and that's when I met Phil Armstrong. But,
10: gee, I think you might have... I don't even know the guy. No,
11: neither did I. But I was unhappy. You I... just don't
10: go off and marry someone you don't know. but
11: I did, Jimmy. Now we've got to get out of here. But why? Because there's been, there's been trouble.
10: What kind of trouble?
11: I'm afraid, Jimmy. He... He's terrible. He he takes something. I don't know what, but sometimes he he's just crazy. Helen. Yes?
10: Your face... You didn't fall. No. He did that. I'll... I'll kill him.
11: Or he'll kill you. That's what I mean. That's why we've got to get away.
10: You can get a divorce, can't you? Oh,
11: he threatened me if I even tried to get one. We'll put him under a peace bond. What good would a peace bond be, Jimmy, if he killed one of us?
10: So I let her talk me into running away. I guess I shouldn't have. But I knew that if I saw him after what he'd done to her... Well... Anyhow, she looked so frightened. I thought it best to let her do it her way. We got to Santa Monica that night, and we stopped at a motel near the water. Well, a week slipped by, and Helen seemed to be forgetting. She didn't jump every time someone knocked at the door. I managed to get a job at one of the shooting concessions on the pier, and we both began to feel good for a while. Then one night late... As I came home from work, I heard voices coming from our apartment. I knew who it was, and I knew from what Helen had told me it would be foolish for me to go in unarmed. So I ran back to the shooting concession. I knew something was going to happen. It didn't take long. But when I got back, the lights were out, and the sound of voices was gone. I tried the door. It was very dark and then my foot struck something soft and heavy on the floor i snapped on the switch and the room was flooded with light and i looked down into a dead man's face oh. i stood there shivering with cold and terror looking down at that man although i'd never seen him in life i knew this was phil her husband There was a deep gash over his eye, and the blood still flowed from it onto the floor. I stepped over him, and I ran into the bedroom. Helen! Helen! But there was no one in the bedroom, or in the kitchen. And then I heard the front door open. Oh, Jerry! Close that door, Helen. Jimmy! Close it! Do you hear me? Be quiet. Turn the lights out. Be quiet, I tell you.
11: Oh, Jimmy! What have I let
10: you in for? Stay where you are. Shh. Don't move, Ellen. Who is it? I don't know. Keep quiet. Jimmy, it's Mrs. Gordon. Shh. She, she's going to unlock the door. Uh,
8: uh,
10: just a minute, Mrs. Gordon. I'll get something on.
8: Jimmy, what's going on in there? All the tenants have been complaining.
10: Oh, some friends of mine, Mrs. Gordon. They were uh they were having a party. They're gone now
8: Jimmy Barton You should be ashamed of yourself Open this door I want to talk to you
10: I'm not dressed I was taking a shower
8: Well, flip something on I'm tired
10: I I was just going to bed
8: Jimmy, I told you I wanted to talk to you Now, will you open this door?
10: She has a passkey, Jimmy Uh, All right All right, Mrs. Gordon Just let me get some clothes on I didn't know what to do I knew that she was determined to come in Mrs. Gordon is a nosy old woman she meant well. She'd taken it upon herself to mother Helen and me since the first minute she laid eyes on us. And we'd had a time keeping her out of the apartment with her pots of jam and her bowls of soup. What do we do, Jimmy? Helen, take him by the feet. No. Helen, take him by the feet. Uh, We started half dragging, half carrying him towards the bedroom, the rug slipping along the floor as we moved. We'd just gotten into the bedroom and then...
8: I'm going to do it
11: myself. We can't leave him here. She might come into the bedroom. Quick, the bathroom.
8: Jimmy, where are you?
10: Jimmy, what if she comes in here? Pull back
8: those shower curtains.
6: Jimmy,
10: we can't. Don't argue. Pull them
6: back. Jimmy, I, I can't get his legs in. Here, I'll double them up.
8: There.
10: Now pull the curtains together.
8: Jimmy, what's been going on in here? Look at my rug. Has there been a fight? Uh,
10: Just a minute, Mrs. Gordon.
8: Jimmy, what's on this floor? And on this gas heater? Is it blocked?
10: Jimmy. Get me a razor out of the medicine chest. (laughs)
8: Here. What are you going to do?
10: Never mind. Stay where you are.
8: I'm coming, Mrs. Gordon. Well, just as I suspected, you've been fighting. You've hurt yourself. Here, let me see your hand.
10: It isn't bad, Mrs. Gordon.
8: No wonder you didn't want me to come in. Where's Helen?
10: She's out. She hasn't been here all evening.
8: Here, let's look at your hand.
10: It isn't bad, Mrs. Gordon. You
8: let me see that hand there. Why, Jimmy, this is a bad gash. Have you disinfected it?
10: Yes. Yes, I have.
8: Well, let me bandage it for you. No,
10: this towel's all right. It's
8: not all right. Where are your bandages and things? In the bathroom? No, no. I don't have any. You're just saying that, Jimmy Barton, because you don't want to be bandaged. You're not fooling me. And I'm going right into the bathroom and get some.
10: No, not the bathroom. I mean... I I don't have any.
8: Well, I'll just see for myself. No, no, Mrs. Gordon. Jimmy, you've dripped blood all over this floor. Here, let's look in this medicine closet. There. I knew it. Here's some tape and some gauze, too.
10: Mrs. Gordon, can't we do this in the living
8: room? No, we'll do it right here. Now, here's some alcohol. Put your hand over here.
10: We stood there, and she bandaged me. And I kept wondering where Helen had gone. And then I saw the shower curtain move slightly, and I knew. For a moment, I thought Mrs. Gordon had seen it move, too.
8: Jimmy, just look at that shower curtain. Yes. Goodness, you smeared that with blood, too. I'd better clean things up before Helen gets home. You'll scare the life out of her. No, I'll
10: clean it up, Mrs. Gordon. You've done enough. Thanks very much for taking care of this hand.
8: Well, all right, if you don't want me to. Now you'd better get some sleep. I'll see you in the morning. Good night, Jimmy.
10: Good night, Mrs. Gordon.
8: Jimmy. Shh,
11: Ellen. Oh, I, I had to hide someplace. And it was terrible. I know, I
8: know. It was the
10: only thing you could do.
8: Oh, uh, Jimmy. Uh, yes? Jimmy, I forgot to tell you that I'm having some painting done tomorrow, so you'll have to be out of here early. It's hard enough getting painters these days without making them wait for attendance to get up.
10: All right, Mrs. Gordon. I'll be out first thing in the morning. Good night.
11: Good night. I have to get him out of here. Yeah. Where will we take him?
10: I don't know. I've got to think. Helen, you try and rest.
11: Jimmy, let me get to the police. Let me tell them that I did it. Let me tell them what he was. They, they won't do anything to me.
10: No, no. You try and rest. What time is it? About six. I've got two hours before the painters get here. What are you going to do? Well, there's the car. No one will see us if we take him through the service porch into the garage. Then what? I don't know, but that'll get him out of here anyway. I think I can do it alone, Helen.
11: Listen, Jimmy. We're in this mess because of me. And I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you.
1: For Suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you Elliot Reed in Dead of Night. Roma Wines presentation tonight in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense.
9: Presented by Roma, R O M A, Roma Wines, those better tasting wines that come from California's finest vineyards to enrich your table, to enhance the hospitality of your home. To bring you better-tasting wine, Roma selects and presses California's choicest grapes. Then Roma vintners with ancient skill and winemaking resources, unmatched in America, guide this sun-drenched grape treasure unhurriedly to tempting taste perfection. These fine wines are placed with other Roma wines of years before, and from these reserves, the world's greatest reserves of fine wine, Roma later selects for your enjoyment. Now you can enjoy the premium quality of your favorite Roma California wine at savings up to 20%. Tomorrow as a special after-dinner treat, try Rich Roma Port or Mellow Muscatel. Be sure to ask for Roma, America's favorite wine. And now Roma Wines
1: bring back to our Hollywood soundstage Elliot Reed as Jimmy Barton with Kathy Lewis as Helen in Dead of Night. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense.
10: When I went into the bathroom, the shower curtains were standing open. His legs had slipped from their cramped position and they'd pushed themselves into the room. He sat there with his head twisted down and his chin digging into his chest. I took a washcloth, and I... It was awful. I wiped the blood off his face. Just in case anyone saw us. They might think he was just sick. Then I tried to lift him, but I slipped, and his head made a hollow sound as it thumped down on the shower floor. Helen helped me get him into the luggage compartment of the car.
11: Where are we going, Jimmy?
10: Helen, won't you stay in the apartment, please?
11: No, I couldn't. I'm going with you.
10: All right, come on.
11: Lucky it's so foggy.
10: Yeah. What time is it?
11: Five or seven.
10: The fog will be clearing soon. It'll be harder getting him out of the car than. Jimmy? What?
11: Jimmy, there's a Santa Monica Pier. You can drive cars out to the end of it. Maybe
10: we Yeah. Can. It's worth a try anyway. We'll have to act fast. That fog's clearing. You stay here. I can manage alone this time. I'll
11: help you, Jimmy. You
10: stay here this time.
11: All right. Call me if you need me.
10: I'll go around to the back. Keep your eyes open.
11: All right. Jimmy. Someone's coming. Who is it? I can't see. Jimmy, it's... It's a policeman.
6: What? It's a policeman. Jimmy!
10: Oh. Oh. It's Slugger Vanda. He's patrolman on the pier. Hell. Uh, Hello, Slugger. Well, when do you get your sleep, Jimmy? While you're working? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Slugger. But, uh... I couldn't seem to remember if I'd locked up the old shooting gallery. So I came over this morning to have a look around.
7: Oh, I see.
10: Uh, uh This is my sister, Slugger. Helen, this is Slugger Vanda.
11: How do you do?
1: Hello. Well, you're an early riser,
11: too, huh? Yes.
1: Well, the fog's clearing up. Looks like we're going to get some sun today for shade.
10: Yeah. Well, I, I guess I'll be getting back. think I'll try and catch a few more hours sleep. So long. Yeah, oh. so long. Oh, say. Say, Jimmy. Yeah.
1: Hey Jim, I have to take my wife over to a nursery today and pick up some plants and stuff, and I don't have a trunk on my car. I wonder if you let me use your car.
7: Why? I...
11: Why you you have to drive me over to, to Malibu this afternoon, Jimmy? Yeah, I'd
10: forgotten. Well, I you can drive over in my car. How's that? Well, you your see, your I... brother thinks I'll wreck that beautiful car. Hey? Oh, it isn't that, <laughs> Slugger. I... Okay then. Okay,
1: I'll uh, I'll be over about noon. I'll leave my car for I get back.
10: I uh, won't be home at noon, well, Slugger. Then I'll I... meet you at the entrance to the pier. How's that? All right, Slugger. Okay.
11: Why'd you say you'd meet him?
10: Oh, if I don't, he'll go over to the apartment looking for you, I mean for us. And I don't want a policeman going over there. Oh. As we drove along the ocean, the fog cleared up rapidly. It was almost 8 o'clock, and some kids were already out on the beach playing around. Then I saw a group of early picnickers. They were unloading their blankets and umbrellas and things. I guess it was from them that I got the idea. From seeing them. Listen, Helen, I'm going to let you out of this car. You can't help me with what I have to do now.
11: No. Jimmy, I'm staying with you. Don't argue, Helen. I'm not leaving you, Jim.
10: We can't go back to the apartment with the painters there, and we can't leave him in the car. Slugger's liable to see us and pin us down to using it. There's only one place left. Where, Jimmy? Helen, get out of this car, do you hear?
11: Well, but Jimmy, I. I haven't I... time to argue with you. i Get out. I won't do it, Jimmy. Yes,
10: you will. If I have to push you out Oh,
11: Jimmy, you're hurting me There
10: Now go back to the apartment Get off that running board, Helen
11: I can't leave you alone, Jimmy I want to help you I'm
10: not blaming you for killing him, Helen But now you've got to do as I say
11: What? What did you say? I don't
10: blame you for what you did He deserved it But now you've got to help me handle things
11: Jimmy, you've got to let me explain Goodbye, Helen
10: Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy I watched her out of the mirror She kept calling me I drove on as fast as I could I knew that what I was going to do was one chance in a million. But I knew I had to take it. And I didn't want her to be part of it. If I could keep him on the beach that whole day, then maybe I'd be able to get rid of him when night fell. It wasn't until after I stopped that I realized I'd driven right back to a strip of beach not far from the apartment. I had my swimming shorts and a blanket and a towel in the car. And I got out. I looked around carefully. And then I opened the luggage compartment. It was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. But I started taking his clothes off. I managed to get my shorts onto him. Lucky we were pretty near the same size. Then I closed the door. And I went out onto the beach. And I spread my blanket out on the sand. And I went back for him. When there were no cars in sight... I carried him over to where I'd spread my blanket, and I placed him on it, face down, with his hands folded over his head as though we were sunbathing. Then I spread my towel out a short distance from him, and I laid down on it, and I tried to look relaxed. People didn't start to arrive until about an hour later, and gradually little groups of sunbathers started to form. He and I, we looked no different from the others No one paid any attention to us And I was beginning to feel that everything was going to be easy once it was dark again Jimmy, But
8: I've been looking all over for you What?
10: I... Oh. Hello, Mrs. Gordon Where's Helen? Isn't she in the apartment? Oh No,
8: and what time did you go out this morning?
10: I... I couldn't sleep
8: Say, didn't Helen come in at all last night?
10: Oh, yes, yes, she did But she left early, too Said she was going into Los Angeles.
8: Oh, and I left her a note to tell her I was going down to the beach today. I was so worried about her. Say, the painters came, Jimmy, and everything's a mess. You know, I think I'll just sit here with you for a while. You're, uh, you're not with anyone, are you?
10: No. No, I'm not.
8: <sighs> wish I'd brought some oil along. Looks like it's going to be a hot day. These things, these days that start off foggy are deceiving, you know.
10: yeah. Yeah, they are.
8: (laughs) This is a real treat for me, Jimmy. I never get out on the beach. I think I'll have a nice day of rest for a change. Later we can get some sandwiches. The treat's on me. Well, Mrs.
10: Gordon, no. I hadn't planned on spending the day at the beach. Oh,
8: it'll be good for you, Jimmy. Not healthy for a boy your age to be working all night and sleeping all day. But Mrs. Gordon, I... Oh. Say, Jimmy, do you know that man over there? Which one? That one right there.
10: No. I don't know him.
8: He's lying so still. His back's going to get an awful burn. Yeah. You suppose he's asleep? See, it isn't good to sleep in the sun. Mrs.
10: Gordon, will the painters be finished by this afternoon?
8: I hope so. You know, a person can get an awful burn on a day like this. Somebody ought to speak to him. Mrs.
10: Gordon, wouldn't you like to go for a walk?
8: Oh, I'm not one for walking. You can go ahead if you like. Well, I... Come on, Dick. Pitch it over here. Oh. Those kids. You children, stop that. You're getting sand all over me. Sorry, lady. There's no need to play ball here. There's a playground over by the pier. Now get away from here. Ah, don't pay no attention to her. She don't own the beach. Pitch it over here. Oh, we hit that guy in the beaver. Now see what they've done. (laughs) They've hit that poor man. Now they'll get what's coming to
10: them. Mrs. Gordon, are you sure you don't want to go up and get some sandwiches or something?
8: I'll stay Not until I see those two hoodlums get what they deserve. Sorry, mister. We have our ball. (laughs) Look at that. Ball's right in the crook of that man's arm. He's pretending he's asleep. He's not going to hand it to them. But just wait till they reach for it. He'll give them something besides their ball. (laughs) Hey, mister, could we... Ah, what are you waiting for, Dickie? It's our ball. Just take it. Go on, take it Here, I'll get it <laughs> Thanks, mister For you
11: What's the matter?
8: Hey, he's cold What did you say? He's cold, lady His arm's like ice I just touched him. Well, oh, why don't you... Well, you probably hurt him Ah, a little boy like this couldn't hurt nobody Well, nevertheless, it did Here, let's have a look
10: And then she started moving toward him I knew it was useless to try and stop her And she reached over and put her hand on his back And suddenly she was screaming This man,
4: Jimmy This man's dead
10: Before long there was a crowd of people around us And someone called the police I wanted to run But I knew that would be the wrong thing to do So I stayed there Numb like watching things when the police came, they started questioning everyone. Now, Mrs. Saying, Gordon was first. Well,
8: he'd been there all morning. I came early, and he was here already, just like that, with his face down, just like he was sunbathing. Uh-huh.
1: was there anyone else around when you arrived? Well,
8: yes, Jimmy was here. He was here all alone with him, weren't you, Jimmy?
1: Yes. Yes, I was. Well, doesn't anyone know the man? Hey, I told you kids to keep away, do you hear?
8: Oh, we discovered him, didn't we? If it hadn't have been for us, Yeah. You we don't even know a clue when you see one. Look at his fingernails. See, the child's right, officer. Look. Ah, uh, what's that? Uh, let's
1: see. Uh, it looks like powder something flaky. You sure none of you people around here recognize him?
8: Well, I've never seen him. <gasps> officer, that blanket he's lying on, it's from my motel. Yeah. See? It's stamped right under where you moved his hand. Seaside Motor Cabins. Ah.
1: Uh-huh. You sure he wasn't registered? I'm positive. Is there anyone around here from your motel?
8: Look, look, Jimmy. Jimmy! Here comes Helen. She's crying. Mrs.
1: Gordon, I asked you if there's anybody around here from your motel.
8: Well, yes, just Jimmy Barton here. And that girl. She's his sister. They've been with us for several weeks.
10: And suddenly everyone was looking at me and at Helen as she ran towards us. And like a fool, I too started to run in Helen's direction to ward her off. I didn't get far, though, for someone caught me by the arm.
11: Jimmy, I've been looking all over for you.
10: Don't say anything, Helen. Let me do the talking. Don't say anything. Well, Jimmy,
11: when you forced me out of the car this morning, you said you said you didn't blame me for having killed him. Helen, be still. Don't... Jimmy, I didn't kill him. I thought you had. I was helping you get rid of him because I thought
10: you'd done it. Helen. Helen. Are... Are you telling the truth? I
11: swear it, Jimmy. Phil and I were quarreling. He, he, he'd been taking something again. He was just like he was crazy. And I, I knew there'd be trouble when you came home from work. So I got out the back way and I went looking for you on the pier. And when I, I couldn't find you. I went back to the apartment and I, I, I found him on the floor. I thought you But, Helen,
10: why didn't you say he so? You didn't
11: give me a chance, Jimmy. You just took it for granted that I Then, didn't. Then who
10: did kill him, Helen?
11: That's what I'm trying to tell you. Nobody killed him What are
10: you talking about?
11: I went to the apartment a little while ago to wait for you and while I was there, I remembered about Phil last night How strangely he'd acted, Jimmy And how he'd almost fallen several times while we were quarreling And, and then I saw the gas heater, Jimmy there, there was a sharp edge on the top of it With blood on it he must have fallen. He must have... But,
10: Helen, we've no way of proving that. There
11: was something else, Jimmy. The wall above the heater was scratched. There might be fingerprints. There might be... Officer. Yeah?
10: That flaky stuff you found under his fingernails, that might have been plaster. Uh-huh. I think we better get down to the station.
11: Oh, Jimmy, they've got to believe us.
10: Don't cry, Helen. As long as we know that we didn't do it, that's all that matters. Everything's going to be all right. Don't cry anymore. Well, that's about it Lucky for us, everything checked pretty well back at the motel And the autopsy showed he was full of some kind of drug They call it highly toxic But I guess it was really Mrs. Gordon who saved our necks for us Besides talking so loud and so long that they'd have probably acquitted us just to be rid of her She did dig up a witness who'd heard Helen and Phil quarreling And who'd seen Helen leave alone after he'd threatened her Well, everything's all right now. Helen and I are beginning to forget. But it's Mrs. Gordon who's making quite a nuisance of herself on the beach these days as she goes along poking all the sunbathers and asking if they're sure they're all right. (laughs) Now we will hear from the star of tonight's show, Mr. Elliot Reed. Thank you very much. It was a great pleasure to appear on tonight's broadcast of Suspense. For the next three weeks, Suspense will originate from New York, when you will hear Eva LeGallion, Alan Baxter, and Gloria Swanson. Good night. Tonight's Suspense
1: play was written by Mel Donnelly. Next Thursday, same time, you will hear Miss Eva LeGallion, as star of Suspense. Produced by William Speer for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California. Among Americans whose wine cellars are superbly stocked, the choice is C-R-E-S-T-A, B-L-A-N-C-A, Cresta, Blanca, Cresta Blanca. Yes, the best serve Cresta Blanca California wines from the finest of the vines. As the perfect prelude to dining or for distinguished entertaining, serve a Cresta Blanca sherry. They're among the great sherries of the world, and there's one for every taste, every occasion. Your dealer features these famous sherries, as well as other choice Cresta Blanca wines, at unusually attractive prices. Shenley's Cresta Blanca Wine Company, Livermore, California. Listen to suspense next week, same time, same station. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
7: Producer of radio's outstanding theater of
4: thrills, the master of mystery and adventure, William N. Robeson.
0: We are proud to add to our lengthening list of suspense stars,
7: Mr. Bartlett Robinson. Although a newcomer to suspense, Mr. Robinson is a veteran of many years in the theater and motion pictures. Mr. Robinson returns now to his first love, radio, as Dave in a load of dynamite, which begins in just a moment. It took mighty men to conquer mighty America, and the men set before themselves even mightier heroes, some real, some not. For instance, there was the legendary keelboatman, Mike Fink. Let Mike tell you about himself. I'm a salt river roarer, I'm a ring-tailed squealer, I'm a regular screamer from the old Massacept, whoop! I'm the very infant that refused this milk before its eyes was opened and called out for a bottle of old rye. I love the women, and I'm chock full of fat. I'm half wild horse and half cockeyed alligator. I can hit like fourth proof lightning, and every lick I make in the woods lifts in an acre of sunshine. I can outrun, outjump, outshoot, outbrag, out. Jump, out, shoot, out, brag, out drink and i fight any man from Pittsburgh to New Orleans and back again to St. Louis. Come on, you flatters, you bargers, you milk-white mechanics, and see how tough I am to jaw. I've had a fight for two days, and I'm spirin' for exercise.
0: On, <laughs> Folklore belongs to every nation's legendary past. And I guess we Americans
7: have our share of some tall ones. And now... Mr. Bartlett Robinson in A Load of Dynamite. A tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense. same thing in my place. Sure you would. After all, my brother Hal was the only relative I had in the world. So it was only natural to look him up when I got out. I hadn't seen him for a while. Quite a while. And we never wrote. But after all, he was my brother. Now, I'm a pretty careful operator. When I go on a job, I case it first, but good. So I knew just about all there was to know about my kid brother. I knew that he was married and living in a little town in the northern end of the state. I knew that he had a good job. Well, anyway, a a good paying job. It ought to be. He was driving a dynamite truck for the Colossus Powder Company. I even had found out that he was the kind of a cat who helped his wife do the dinner dishes. The only thing I didn't know was what a lovely dish that wife of his really was. Yeah, with the final swipe of the final pot, that does it. That's the helping. Oh, thank you, Mrs. King. Let's do some more dishes soon, huh?
12: It's not always necessary, you know. Sometimes I kiss you just because I feel like it. Like this. Oh. All right, all right, that's enough. <laughs> And give me a minute to fix my face, and we'll go see a picture.
7: No pictures tonight, honey. i got to hit the road at 4 a.m.
12: Oh, gosh, I forgot. What's the run tomorrow?
7: They're reopening the old Three Angels mine up past Convict Lake. Kind of a big deal, I guess. I'm carrying 144 cases.
12: Where is the mine? Up in the mountains? Yeah. You'll be careful, won't you, darling?
7: I'm always careful, baby. You see, I have a great big reason for wanting to go on living.
12: You... I worry so about you.
7: Now, look, Terry. But I wish
12: you were doing practically anything else in the world except driving a high explosive truck. We've
7: been all over this before, you know, and the answer's always the same. If you can show me anything else that pays off as well as chauffeuring high explosives, well, I mean, for a guy like me. What do you mean, a guy like you? Well, I'm no Charlie Van Doren, baby. I'm strictly a two years of high school and no special skills boy. And if I wasn't with Colossus, I'd probably be swinging a pick in a construction gang. I know, but. Besides, it won't be forever. Well, two or three years more and then we'll have enough dough tucked away so we can I'm do... I'm not
12: it. sure I can take it for two or three more years, Hal. Sometimes when you're away and I'm here alone it gets to be more than I can... Ah, uh, saved by the bell. I wonder who that is. It's probably Tom and Ethel looking for a canasta game. I'll tell them you have to get to bed early. Well, maybe we can
7: play for an hour
12: or two. Yes?
7: This is the King home, isn't it? Yes, it is. No. They told me down the street if I rang the bell, and the prettiest girl I ever saw answered it, I was in the right house. They weren't kidding.
12: I'm afraid
7: to. I'll give you three guesses, Hal. Day. What are you doing here? I thought you were just that's what I call a real brotherly greeting. And after all these years, too. Well, do I get invited in? Sort of chilly out here. Come in. Terry, this is my brother,
12: Dave.
7: Hello, Dave. Terry, it's a pleasure, a real pleasure, to have the prettiest sister-in-law in in the world. What are you doing here, Dave? Doing? I'm paying a little visit to my kid brother, who I ain't seen in years. So no fault of his. Okay, okay. Go on, rub it in. In front of your wife.
12: Hal's told me all
7: about you, Dave. Yeah, I guess that means I'm off to a bad start with you, huh, sis? As
12: far as I'm concerned, you're off to the best start you could possibly have. You're Hal's
7: brother. Well, thanks, baby sister. You know, you always had all the luck, Hal. A swell job, a nice house, and a beautiful and also understanding wife. Luck? I worked for them, Dave. Worked hard to get them, and I work hard every day to keep them. They weren't handed to me on a platter, and I didn't try to take them away from anybody with a gun. Hal! All right. So I pulled ten years in San Quentin for that stick-up. But I got three off for good behavior. They said I was a model prisoner. Don't that make you proud of your big brother? Oh, sure, sure. Real proud. Ma would be proud, too, if she knew her son was a model prisoner. Now, you look, Hal. You were the death of her, Dave, and I can't forget it. Oh, come off it. I know. I was there. I watched her day after day worrying about you. I watched her worry her life away. Hal, it wasn't my fault. I couldn't help it. You could have helped it if you'd have settled down to a steady job. But that's something you would never do because you never wanted to. I never did. Before. But a guy gets a chance to do a lot of thinking when he's in queue. Like how to pull bigger jobs when he gets out. Hal,
12: darling, you're not being fair to Dave. Let him talk.
7: All right. All right, talk. You know something, Hal? What? I figured out a lot of things while I was away. I've come to a conclusion. A conclusion that I'm not as smart as I thought I was. Not nearly. Boy. Well, I... I wish I could believe that. I always thought I was the wise guy, you were the chump, but I was wrong. I was dead wrong. Well, maybe it ain't too late to start over again. If people will just forget I'm an ex-con,
12: I'm sure they will.
7: Can you, Terry?
12: Of course. You've paid your debt to society.
7: Now yeah, well, we'll see. Sam Quentin is full of two-time losers who couldn't make it on the outside because society wouldn't give them a break. We'll see. Dave Dave, are you serious or is this some more of your good intentions? Yeah, you see what I mean, Terry? Nobody believes the next con including his brother I believe you And I want to You do? If you really want a job our outfit can always use a good man Do you mean that, Hal? Yes, Dave, I do It's dangerous work You can't scare me But it pays off plenty You just got yourself a boy Fine Fine, I'll see the boss about it as soon as he gets back from Frisco. That's great. Meanwhile, why don't you stick around here for a few days and take it easy? I I guess you got a vacation coming to you at that. Oh, well, well, I don't know. I don't want to put you to any trouble. I mean well, would it be all right with you, Terry? It's the way it should be, Dave. You two are real folks. Okay. Okay, said so the deal. Any beer in the icebox, honey? I wouldn't be surprised. We'll drink to the family reunion. Listen, Dave. There's something I want to tell you before Terry gets back. You don't have to tell me, boy. I know. Dynamite is tricky stuff, huh? Tricky? All you have to do is make one long move and you... no I don't make any wrong moves. Yeah, yeah, but sometimes... Sometimes it happens without you having anything to do with it. The brakes go out on a mountain road. Or a bull that comes rocketing down a hill and you got to make a fast stop and... Oh, that's a thousand to one shot. You want to try to call the odds on this one? Paul Gordon, one of our best men, was making a run over to Utah last month. Just after the deer season opened. A guy missed the buck he was shooting at. But he didn't miss Paul's truck. So that's a million to one. I'd go up against shorter odds than that to get what you got. All right. But I had to tell you before you can watch it, here comes Terry.
12: Well, here we are.
7: Hey, that looks great. Beer oh, <laughs> and salami and <laughs> Will cheese Will you give the honors, darling? Sure. Ah, here you are, ma'am. Thank you. Dave, much obliged. <laughs> and one for old dad. Now, I'd like to propose a toast. Okay. Let's hear it.
12: Here's to you, Dave. Here's wishing you health and good fortune and happiness. You know, just the best of everything.
7: You mean like Hal's got... Yeah, I'll settle for that. The best of everything. Now, don't get me wrong. I meant it about wanting to settle down and go to work for a change. Meantime, until Hal's boss got back, I was in clover. Every day but Saturday and Sunday, Hal was out in the road. And me? I was hanging around the house with that gorgeous wife of his. She couldn't have been nicer. Treated me like I was her brother. But the feelings I had toward her were not exactly brotherly. I tried to control him. I honestly did. Because it was fun to be with her, too. Like the time we went downtown to buy me some decent clothes. With the dough Hal lent me.
12: Here's a pretty tie, Dave it will go beautifully with that blue shirt you just got. Oh,
7: no stripes, thanks. I've had enough of them.
12: Oh, you promised me you weren't going to think about that anymore, much less talk about it.
7: i promise you anything, Terry. You ought to know that by now.
12: Promises don't mean a thing, not unless you keep them.
7: All right, I promise never to break another promise, okay?
12: Okay. Gosh, look at the time. Yeah, it's 4.30, so what? Hal will be home at 5 today. Oh. Uh
7: he likes to have you there waiting for him when he comes home, doesn't he?
12: Yes, he does.
7: You know something, sugar? I don't blame him. You're very quiet,
12: Dave. Yeah, I was thinking. About what?
7: Did you know every single man in town, Quentin, has the same dream? He does? Yep. Waking or sleeping, the same dream. What is it? It's... He dreams of what it'll be like when he gets up. And most of all, he dreams of the three things he wants most. What are they? Good clothes, a slick car, and a pretty girl. Was that your dream, too? Yep. And it's all come true. Except... Except what? Except the way I dreamed it. The pretty girl wasn't my brother's wife. She was a faithful wife, all right. She never gave any sign that she realized what I was driving at. And Hal, he went overboard with the devoted brother act. The boss isn't back from Frisco yet, Dave. But there's no rush. It's like I said before. You got a vacation coming to you. Hey, do you do you still like to hunt? Yeah, I sure do. Well, why don't you drive into town tomorrow and get yourself a license? I got a 30 odd six you're welcome to use. Any tear around? Well, oh, they tell me the thickest flies are on Convict Lake. How about it, Terry? You want to go hunting? Well,
12: no, thanks, Dave. I just don't
7: like the idea of killing anything. Oh. Okay, but I'll bet you $7 to a plug dime that you eat the venison after I bring it home. <laughs> happy family, when Hal was at home. But when he wasn't, Terry drove me nuts. I tried, I really did. I'd, 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 I'd go out for long walks by myself, or I'd listen to the radio, or try to read. But it was no good. I couldn't get my mind off her. Then one day, we were finishing lunch. It was a warm day, and she was wearing shorts and a halter. Had
12: a cup of coffee, Dave? Oh, no thanks. I haven't got any room. All right, then I'll do the dishes. No, I'll clear the table for you. Oh, don't bother. There aren't very many things. I'll just get you cut some and shots Terry.
7: Dave, let go of me. What's wrong with you? What do you suppose is wrong with me? Let
12: hey, go of me, Dave. You must be crazy.
7: Maybe I am. I was stashed away for seven years, and I never even saw a woman. And the ones I've seen since I came out, they weren't like you.
12: Take your hands off me, Dave. If Hal you about this, she'd Dave, let me go. There's somebody at the door.
7: Yeah, I guess I'd I'd better see who it is.
4: But if it's Al...
7: Don't worry. I'll handle it. In just a moment, we continue with... Suspense. Political shenanigans haven't changed much from the time we became a nation till now. As you'll observe in this tale of a well-beloved American hero, Colonel Crockett. Davy to you, TV fan. One time Colonel Crockett was trying
9: to warn the electorate about his opponent.
7: Said Davy, You know I love hunting. Well, I've discovered that I don't need no powder and lead to catch me a raccoon. I just stand there and grin at them, and soon they come tumbling out of the tree. Howsomever, one day in the woods, I spied a ride big fella up on a limb, and I set myself on giving him my best grin, but he didn't tumble. So I got me my axe and looked up at that raccoon and I chopped away. Down came the tree and I ran forward. But there was no raccoon. I had mistaken a large knot upon the branch of the tree for a raccoon. Upon close examination, I saw that I had grinned all the bark off and left the knot perfectly smooth. So you must be convinced that I am not slow in the grinning line. But I must admit, My opponent is superior in this matter. Therefore, be wide awake, and do not let him grin you out of your votes. (laughs) Folklore belongs to every nation's legendary past, and I guess we Americans have our share of some tall ones. And now... We continue with the second act of A Load of Dynamite, starring Bartlett Robinson... A tale well calculated to keep you in Suspense. I felt pretty silly when I opened the door. It was only a Girl Scout selling cookies. But the interruption gave me a chance to get a hold of myself. And to make the most serious decision I'd ever made in my life. Dave, I've got to have a talk with you. Don't now. you say it, Terry, and listen to me first i flipped my lid, sure. But even if that kid hadn't rung the bell when she did, I'd have... You know, I'd have stopped. Just for a minute, I forgot you were my brother's wife. But when you said, if Hal knew about this, it did... It pulled me up short. Hal's a great guy, Terry, the greatest. He gave me a real square shake. I'd never do anything to cross him up. Or you neither. It might ever happen again, Dave. It won't, Terry. I swear it won't. I'll never lay a hand on you again. As long as you're Hal's
4: wife.
7: Hi, darling. What kind of a day did you have?
12: Oh, you know, the usual thing. How
7: about you? Oh, well, usual by me too. I ran five tons of blasting part of the canyon camp, and that was it. Any news about Dave's job? Hmm. Boss isn't back yet.
12: Right. I hope you can get it set pretty soon, darling. Why? it's just that,
7: well, I think Dave's beginning to get sort of, you know, restless. He should get restless. A comfortable house to live in, the best meals a man ever put under his belt, and the prettiest girl in the world to keep him company. What boy does he want? uh, Where is he, by the way?
12: How do you know he wasn't here when I got back from the market?
7: Ah, I bet he went to get that hunting license.
12: Well, then why didn't he ride in with me?
7: You, uh, you sound funny, baby, like like you have something on your mind. Anything wrong? How, darling? Come on, now. Come on. Let's have it. What's nibbling on you? How does Dave drink? Well, I don't know. Remember, I haven't seen him for a long time. Why?
12: Well, it's something that happened today. Like what? Well, when I offered him a bottle of beer today, he, he asked me if we had any bourbon in the house. When I told him we didn't, he said he'd have to do something about it. We were kidding, of course, Maybe but... he was, maybe
7: he wasn't. I'd better find out before I get him a job. You're asking for it when you mix alcohol and gasoline, but when you add a few tons of dynamite, then you are in trouble. Oh. You certainly know your way around a kitchen, sugar. That was one mighty fine dinner. I'm glad you liked it, darling. I'm glad I did, too. It sort of kept the family average up. You didn't need to think. I, I guess
12: I'm worried how... You mean about Dave? Where is he, Hal? Why didn't he come home? Why hasn't he telephoned? Maybe something...
7: He's a big boy now, Terry. I know. It goes one of two ways now, sugar. If he meant what he told us the other night, there's nothing to worry about. If he didn't, then it's strictly his headache. Remember, he's still on probation. Poor guy. I'm sorry for him too, Terry.
12: I know you are.
7: Yeah. I'm sorry for him. And for every other man in the world, because they can't be married to you. You're a darling. Come on, baby. It's time to hit the sack. What is it? it? There's somebody
12: in the house. I heard a noise in the kitchen. There it is again.
7: Well, it's probably it just... the
12: light just went on.
7: Well, why shouldn't it? Isn't that you, Dave? Yeah. Well, come on in for a minute. Right with you. Hey, easy does it, man. Hey, you're lucky I didn't take a shot at you. Why? Because I had a couple of drinks. <laughs> Say, you did it bad, didn't you? Sure, I did I found me a girl in town, a nice, friendly girl. And we sat in the Red Dog and belted her on a piece of booze. Dave, you shouldn't have. You know something, Terry, you're absolutely right. They got fine liquor at the Red Dog, and like I said, the girl was real friendly, but... It wasn't any good, Terry. It wasn't any good at all. We'll talk about it tomorrow, kid. What you need now is a little shut-eye, and I do, too. I make them run up to that new mine tomorrow. Yeah, the one up in the mountains near Convict Lake... Yeah, and with a full truckload, I wouldn't like to fall asleep at the wheel. If you know what I mean. Want me to fix you some coffee, Dave? No thanks. Want me to help the bed boy? I don't need any help. I'll make it all right. You stay here, Hal. You stay right where you belong, with Terry. Have time for another cup of coffee, Hal? Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Eddie isn't due to pick me up for ten minutes. Hey. What? You forgot to kiss me this morning.
12: I no, I didn't. I just don't believe it's good for you on an empty stomach. There you are. Ah.
7: <laughs> now the day may begin. <laughs> Silly.
12: I think I'll take a cup in today that'll help wake him up. It's
7: a good idea. Dave. Dave. He's still dead to the world. Go on in. How? Huh? He's not here.
12: What? Well, the bed's not even turned down, just rumpled, like he threw himself across it without undressing.
7: I get it. What? Look in the corner. My rifle's missing. He must have gone hunting. On foot? I doubt it. Take a look out in the garage.
12: You're right,
7: the car is gone. He's got a lot of nerve taking off with the car without telling us. Oh,
12: well,
7: it's all right. I won't be needing it today. Well, with the hangover he must have, he's in no shape to go deer hunting. Maybe not to go deer hunting, but I was in good enough to shape to bag what I was after. A ten-ton truck is a pretty sizable target. And when it's loaded with dynamite, you can hit it anywhere and it'll go off. <laughs> me a perfect location, where the road winds down a steep grade just before you get to Convict Lake. I hid the car in the underbrush and climbed up to the top of the bank. It was rough going. I slipped a couple of times, but I made it in plenty of time. It was nice sitting there in the warm morning sunlight, thinking about Terry. Thinking about the life we were going to have together, I knew she liked me, like a sister. But after a while, she'd learned to like me like a wife. I would be so understanding and sympathetic with her in her bereavement. I would be kindness itself. We would be joined in a terrible experience. The tragic accident that had taken away her husband and deprived me of my loving brother. An accident that was about to happen. It was Dave's truck feeling its way down the tricky slope in compound low. I got it full in my sights and waited until it came closer. Closer until I couldn't miss. I aimed for the big white sea and the word colossus on the side. And carefully squeezed the trigger. I'm sure as dynamite. Won't be so much loot driving freight, but you'll live a lot longer.
12: Oh, darling, I'm so glad.
7: I thought you would be.
12: Whatever made you make up your mind?
7: Well, I... I got scared, honey. Real bad scared for the first time. What happened? I was coming down that steep grade outside Convict Lake when I heard a rifle crack back in the woods. And I thought about the time Paul Gordon got blown up over in Utah when that hunter missed his deer. So I decided life is short enough as it is.
12: Oh, darling, I feel ten years younger. So do I, honey. Oh, point killer. Maybe it's Dave. I'll get it. Oh, look, Hal! There's a sheriff's car parked at the curb.
7: Maybe it's about Dave, then. Yes, officer? Are you Mr. King? Yes. Dave King, your brother? Yes. I'm afraid I have bad news for you, Mr. King. What's happened to him? What's my brother done now? He's killed himself. Oh, no. Oh, I don't mean suicide. It was apparently a hunting accident. What? What happened? He was up in the mountains hunting. must have stumbled or fell because the barrel of his rifle was plugged with mud. When he fired, the explosion drove the breech block right back in his face. Killed him instantly. Where did this happen? Up near Convict Lake. You know where that steep grade comes down the mountain just before you get to the lake. I know. Sorry to have to bring the bad news, Mr. King. Guess you and your brother were pretty close. Yeah. Yes, we were. Pretty close. Robinson starred in William N. Robeson's production of A Load of Dynamite, written by Richard Wheel. Listen. Listen again next week for another tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Supporting Mr. Robinson in A Load of Dynamite were Ellen Morgan, Paul Dubal, Van Barney Phillips. And now.
2: A tale well-calculated to keep you in... ...suspense. In a moment, act one of With Murder in Mind. Written especially for suspense by Erwin Lewis. Starring Jack Crucian. Currently featured in the Broadway hit, I Can Get It For You Wholesale.
13: Are you ready, Anton?
7: Oh, I yes, my god Of
13: oh, good. And Anton... Don't go too far. Lately you oh, have... Please,
4: please. <laughs>
7: This time, ladies and gentlemen, the High Hope Club takes singular pride in presenting Tesla. This renowned expert in the mysteries of mentalism is at all times blindfolded. Tesla. <laughs> Keeper of the keys to dark secrets locked in the innermost recesses of the human mind will astound and astonish, Yes, Tonight, Helena, I am tempted to amaze them truly.
13: Suppose I you just... know. You promised. Anton, please. It is too dangerous. Promise me. Yeah, yeah. I will be careful.
2: And now, without
7: further ado, it is my great honor to bring you feats of mentalism applauded in every capital of Europe for the first time in these United States with his beautiful wife, Helena. She's the
1: one without the blindfold,
10: Tesla the Great!
13: Ladies and gentlemen, as I pass among you... Hold up any objects you wish and concentrate on them. Tesla, blindfolded on the stage, will attempt to learn what those objects are. Are you ready, Tesla? I am ready. This gentleman is holding up something that belongs to his wife. Can you tell me what it is, Tesla? Uh,
7: It is something she wears, is it not?
13: That is right. And what is it?
7: It is a, a fur piece. A store. Mink, I believe. That is
13: right. (laughs) That's pretty good. And now, a lady over here...
7: I I see more. The gentleman has not yet paid for the store. Ah, how to play, Mr.
13: Vino. That will be enough, Tesla. And now, Tesla will attempt to tell me what object I have in my hand, which this lady has just given me. Tesla, do you know what it is?
8: Uh, it
7: is a gold charm
13: That is right <laughs> Now Tesla, see if you can tell us what is inscribed on the back of this charm something only this lady and I know. what does it say Tesla
4: It says to Ruth
2: with all my love
13: Is that right madame? Oh yes yes that's exactly what it says <laughs> And now, now I see a gentleman holding a wallet. Sir. Wait,
7: wait. I have not yet done with the woman. I see more. No, Tesla. Ah, but yes. That is not just a charm. A little golden trinket. It means much more to Ruth. And it was given to her... By a man who is not her
13: husband. Why, that's a lie. Please, madame, please don't upset yourself. It is only Tesla's sense of humor. I see nothing funny in it. Please, please forgive him. Now, sir, if you will hand me your wallet. Yes, thank you. How could you know? How could anyone know? It happened years ago, and he's dead. It's impossible for anybody to know about the charm except me.
6: And and I haven't told him living so soul.
7: How could he know? He has the initials R.L.S. Oh Thank you and good night, ladies and <laughs> Mr. Hughes, please come in. Hey, Cecil, old man, I just had to come to your dressing room and congratulate you and the little woman. Oh, oh then you liked our act, Mr. Hughes. Liked it? La- say, that was the greatest opening act my club has ever had. Yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Say, listen, I'm having a little party at my place later just to celebrate, and I want you and Mrs. Tesla as guests of ours. Oh, house. well, we, we no, will no, be no, very thank happy. you,
13: Mr. Hughes. Now, if you will excuse me, I must change. Oh,
7: yeah, sure. Well, I got to get myself another drink. I got to get lots of drinks. I got a lot of celebration to do. Yeah. So long. Uh, bye. Helena, yes. you were very rude to Mr. Hughes. I have never known you to be rude before.
13: I can't worry about Mr. Hughes. It is you I am worried about.
7: I do not understand.
13: I've warned you so many times. You must be careful. Careful. Oh. They must never become suspicious. A wrong word here, too much said there, and tonight you should not have said what you did about that woman. Oh, those foolish little
7: thoughts rumbling around in her foolish little mind. I I could not resist the temptation to have some sport over her guilty little secret. Did you see the look in her eyes?
13: Yes. Yes, I saw it. Fear. Cold, naked fear and questioning. I could almost hear her ask herself, how could he know? And someday someone will realize the truth. Well,
2: what of it? It is degrading enough that I must use my gift merely to earn enough money for us to live. At least, permit me the pleasure of disturbing the little minds once
7: in a while.
13: Oh, Anton, this gift of yours, is it really a gift or a curse?
7: Oh, Helena, please. Yes, who is it? Lieutenant Clark. May I come in? Well, <laughs> Lieutenant, well, it is so nice to see you again. Did you enjoy our act? And how. But after seeing you two perform tonight, well, I just had to tell you how, how great you, you both really are. Oh, thank you. Uh, Helena, you remember Lieutenant Clark of the police department, don't you? Yes,
13: of course.
7: Nice to meet you again, ma'am. You see, Mr. Tesla, I've made quite a study of mind-reading acts, oh? codes, and systems and things. And <laughs> well, frankly, you've got me stumped. I don't know how you do it. Well, it is very simple, Lieutenant. I read mine. <laughs> well, I can almost believe it. Lieutenant, I believe you are thinking that I am putting on an act even now off stage. <laughs> Please be assured of one thing. It is not an act. Uh, I beg your pardon?
13: Anton, if you will excuse me. I, I have a terrible headache. Oh? Anton, I am going back to the hotel. Well,
7: but... my car is outside, Mrs. Tesla. I'd be happy to drive you there.
13: That... Won't be necessary, thank you. We're staying in the hotel across the street.
7: Well, you better
2: take an umbrella. It's, it's raining pretty heavily.
13: I don't mind the rain. Don't be long, Anton.
7: No, no. I will join you in a few moments, Elena, as soon as I change.
13: Please be careful. Don't, don't let your gift be a curse, Anton.
7: Good night, Mrs. Tesla. I hope to see you again.
13: Goodbye, Lieutenant.
7: Your wife's a beautiful woman, Mr. Tesla. Yeah. You've been married long? Five years. Five years. I am... I am ready to leave now. Would you care to join me for a drink before you return to your hotel? Well, that is an excellent idea, Lieutenant. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Uh, something? Uh, you wouldn't consider, uh... No, no, I guess you wouldn't. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
7: no, Lieutenant. You should have known better than to ask. You cannot expect me to reveal my secrets to you. Good evening, ma'am. And you're part of the new mental act here at the club. That's right. 28 years I've been doing the Doris and Nightclubs, Mrs.
13: Telser. It's uh, Tesla, uh, Mr. Saunders. Oh, yeah, sure. Well,
7: I heard him saying how great you and your husband are. (laughs) I was going to see your first performance. Uh, Here, here, let let me open the door for you. It's pretty heavy. Oh,
13: that's very kind of you.
7: Oh, not at all, ma'am. Mind you, step, crossing that (laughs) rain. See? It's really pouring. If you wait a minute, I'll get you an umbrella, Mrs. Tessler. Don't bother.
13: I don't mind a little rain. Oh, but
7: you'll get so clear through. Please, I, I have the umbrella right over here. I'll get it for you. No,
13: no. Honestly, Fondus, I don't want it. I like to walk in the rain. I like the feeling. And besides, it's not
7: part of the hotel. Well, if you say so, Mrs. Tesla. But be careful crossing the street now. Some of
13: those cars come shooting around the corner like crazy. <laughs> I'll be careful. Good night, Thunders.
7: Good night, ma'am. If you don't mind, Mr. Tesla, we can have the drink at your hotel. There's a nice bar there. All right, Lieutenant. You may as well cut across through the stage door. It's shorter. Besides, in this rain, we
4: likely...
7: Tesla, wait. Where are you running? What happened? Oh, it's terrible, Lieutenant, terrible. I opened the stage door for her and and she went out into the rain. I asked her if she wanted my umbrella, but she said no, thanks. I turned to go back into the club when I heard brakes squealing and she screamed. I ran across the street and... She was lying on the ground with the rain pouring down. Next thing I knew, he come running out and pushed me away. He's like a madman. Who? Uh, What's his name? Mine read it. Tesla. Was it his wife? Yes, yes. She's such a beautiful thing, Lieutenant Clark, and lying there all crumbled and smashed in the rain. Where's the car that hit her? I just saw the taillights disappearing around the corner. He, He didn't even stop. You call an ambulance. Saunders, come with me. (laughs) There you are. He's holding her in his arms. Elena. Elena, my darling. Tesla, let me carry her inside. No. Go go away, Lieutenant, please. Leave us alone. I've sent for an ambulance. Please, let let me take her inside. It's too late. Too late. Wait. Yes, Elena. What is it? He's got an awful peculiar look on his face. As if he's... Listening to something. It's eerie. Yeah, Yeah, I I understand. I I will remember, Helena. I will remember.
2: Yes, what is it, Sam?
7: Man here to see you, Lieutenant. Name's Anton Tesla. Have him come in. Mr. Tesla, it's it's good to see you, sir. Please, please sit down. Thank you, Lieutenant. I was wondering what happened to you. I haven't seen you since... Well, it's, it's a week now, isn't it? Is that how long it is? Sometimes it seems like a year. Sometimes only a day. Most of the time it seems as if I am the one who died. Terrible tragedy, I... I don't know how to tell you how sorry I am. Yes. You you look tired. Thank you. I mean, thank you for being diplomatic. I have seen myself in the mirror. I was never a handsome man, but... Now I... I would almost frighten myself. Oh, nonsense. Shave and some fresh clothes and you'll be a new man. If there's anything I can do... You can find the man who murdered my wife. Murdered? You're not saying it was deliberate, are you? He left her lying in the street and fled like a murderer. He killed her in cold blood, whether it was deliberate or not. Well so we're we're doing all we can. But you must realize we have nothing to go on. Oh. No one saw your wife hit by the car. When the stage doorman Saunders came running out, all he could see was the tail lights of the car. It was dark and raining heavily. He couldn't tell what kind of a car it was or it's color or model? Lieutenant, it was a white convertible. How can you possibly know that? You do not believe me? What would you say if I told you I know every thought you have at this very moment? How would you feel if I proved I could delve into your mind... ...and dredge up every good and foul thing
2: you have ever been thinking back to the very beginning of your existence? Uh, Mr. Tesla, please.
7: I know you're under a strain. Don't don't excite yourself. Do not worry, Lieutenant. I will not try to prove it to you. And do you know why? Because then you would fear me as all must fear and hate someone who knows their most innermost thoughts. Now, I have told you the model and color of the car. How can I act on information? Then, Fender, it was damaged, I believe. The right Fender, investigate. And if you will not do anything... Then I must. I'm obliged to advise you against acting on your own. No, Mr. Tesla, listen to reason. In the state, (sighs) strange man, he really thinks he can read minds. It's ridiculous. And yet that 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 business about the fender. And what was it his wife said? Don't let your gift be a curse. Now why should she upset a thing like that? Hmm? Sounders, wake up. I was just dozing. Oh, Mr. Tesla, I I didn't recognize you. Oh, you you remember me, huh? Oh, yes, yes, of course, sir. Uh, May I say how sorry I am about the accident last week? It was you? Oh, you're hurting my arm. I must know. When you
4: heard the crash
7: that night and ran outside, what did you see? (laughs) I I told the police everything. Tell me. Mr. Tesla... Uh, I saw your wife lying in the street. And the car. Did you see the car? Only the taillights as you turned the corner. You are lying.
4: You
7: saw more. God. I know you did, but I cannot make it out. Now, what else did you see? Nothing. I swear it. I saw nothing there else. There is something else you saw. Think now. What else did you uh, see? Please, Mr. Tesla, my arm. Think. Think. Why... Are you looking at me so funny? I must not find
5: out about Joe. Joe? I, I don't know what. Talking you... lot attendant. Thank you, Saunders. Hey, you. What are you doing around in cars? Come on, get away before I call the cops. Hey, Ann, I've seen you here before. Yes, my friend, you have. Wait a minute, you're, uh... Yeah, you're that mind reader, the guy whose wife was
7: killed last week. And you're you're Joe, the parking lot attendant. Yeah, that's right. What do you want? I'm looking for a white convertible with a dented fender. Because I have been given to understand that such a car was here the night my wife died. Perhaps it is back now with the fender repaired, of course. I don't know what you're talking about. Look, you better get off this lot. You're asking for trouble. You seem to be worried, Joe. Why are you so worried? You're
5: nuts. What do you want?
7: A week ago, a car sped out of this parking lot and whirled around the corner just as my wife was crossing the street. It hit her and killed her. You know whose car that was and you will tell me. That's a dirty lie.
12: Hey, get away from that car. This is the car.
7: Here, feel the metal on the fender. It disrupts. It was a hasty job, and it was not well done. Okay, for the last time, get off this lot. First you will tell me who owns this car. I'm telling you, mister, you better
5: get off... What? What's the matter with you? Why are you looking at me that way?
7: I ask you again. Whose car is this? Try and find out.
1: I already have. Thank you. Thank oh. you.
7: in. Oh, Mr. Tesla, I'm glad to see you. I was worried about you. I tell you what, I was just uh, checking my books. I'll put them away. We can go out to the bar and have a drink. Uh, hey. Hey, why are you locking the door? Sit down, Mr. Hughes. I want to talk with you. Well,
2: what sit about... Sit down!
7: I have been looking for the man who murdered my wife. Murder? Oh, it was a... It was a horrible thing, uh accident. Not an accident. Murder. Oh, no. No, it was uh, was an accident. Everybody it knows that. It was murder. Thing. And the weapon was a white convertible. You have a white convertible, don't you? Now, wait a minute. You're trying to say that I hit your wife? And I'll put that gun away. Are you crazy? Perhaps. But tonight, justice will be done. You murdered my wife.
4: Oh, no, you don't. Get, get that
7: After that, Lieutenant, I—I I could see he'd made up his mind to shoot me. I—I I jumped him, trying to defend myself. We struggled. The gun went off, and—and and I called you. That's the whole story. All right, Mister Hughes. Better sit down. You look like you're ready to collapse. Uh, thank you. Well, oh, what an experience. He must have been crazy. How does it look, Doctor? Uh, not very good, Lieutenant. I'm going to call an ambulance, but I don't think he'll make it to the hospital. Tesla? Can you hear me? Lieutenant Clark, Why did you try to kill Hughes? He, he murdered my wife. No, he didn't. What are what you saying? The driver of the car that hit your wife was taken into custody an hour ago and confessed. Oh. We got him through that fender. It took he, legwork, he, but we found his repairman and then him. He admitted everything. It took us a week, but it's pretty hard to hide evidence like he, that. He
4: admits it. He is lying.
7: He was telling the truth. But the white convertible... He was driving a white convertible, too. Although a different model than Hugh's car. A different year, too. At the fender, there was fender damage on this car. It was one of those once-in-a-lifetime coincidences, Tesla. As near as we can make out, what probably happened was that Hughes pulled out of the parking lot and turned the corner at the same time that this other fellow came from the opposite direction. He hit your wife and went tearing down the road. Hughes, trying to avoid a head-on collision, skidded into that lamppost opposite the club, bounced off, and drove away. Both cars had damaged fenders.
1: Tesla, did you hear what I said?
7: Yeah, I heard... But it is impossible. Hughes killed my wife. I know it.
4: I know it. Tesla. Is he... Is he dead? Yes. Oh. Oh, that
7: poor tortured man. I feel so... so sorry for him. What I can't understand is why he was so sure you were guilty. There is an explanation. But I refuse to believe it. What's that? I... I was very drunk the night of the accident. I only had the vaguest recollection of the events. Until you told Tesla just now what had actually happened. I thought I was
4: guilty. (laughs)
2: listening to With Murder in Mind written especially for suspense by Irwin Lewis and starring Jack Crucian currently featured in the Broadway hit I Can Get It For You Wholesale Suspense is produced and directed by Fred Hendrickson music supervision by Ethel Huber heard in tonight's story were Bryna Rayburn Billy Redfield Jim Bowles Gilbert Mack Jack Grimes Rennie Santoni and Jane Ward. Sound patterns by Walter Otto. This is Stuart Metz speaking. Next week, another tale well calculated
4: to keep you in... Suspense.